You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. My name is Ahmed and I am your host. And today, my guest is Mr. Derek Russo. Derek, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Ahmed. My absolute pleasure. Derek, um, let's get back in time. Let's get back a few years and tell us where your journey begun. Yeah, happy to uh, kick things off here. So, you know, I'll kind of give a little bit of background about myself. I'm from... Augusta, Georgia, which most folks only know that as the city where the Masters is played every year (laughs) and grew up there. Um, So obviously big into golf and other sporting events throughout kind of the state of Georgia. So I made my way up to Athens to go to college. So University of Georgia and then graduated from there in 2014. And I spent um, about five years in Atlanta and then I've been in New York ever since. So about going on four years now. Very, very nice. And your life after college, you went into PwC working as a consultant. Take us through that. That's right. So yeah, I made my way into PwC right after graduation, working in the technology consulting group there in Atlanta. And at the time, we were kind of a newer group within PwC. And so there was about six or seven of us out of the Atlanta office. We had some other offices across the U.S., but our team was was small at the time. And so, you know, I spent three years in the tech consulting world, you know, really working on different types of projects, primarily based in Atlanta. So clients range from Coca-Cola to GE, to other healthcare companies uh, located in Atlanta. And then you transferred into the management consulting group um, in in finance. So kind of made a shift there, wanted to do something different, wanted to further develop my career and take advantage of opportunities at PwC and kind of made my way that way. And I'm happy to share more details about those kind of experiences. Absolutely. Take me through the project where you worked at Waymo, the Google self-driving car. Um, Take us through that, how how you helped basically set them up as their own entity and whatnot. What was that like? I mean, an organization like Google breaking away from that, that's that's crazy, right? Yeah, so that's a good one. And I think, you know, just before I dive into that, right, you know, the the world of consulting is very large in the sense of people think about consulting of the, oh, let's have these people come in, build a slide deck for us, tell us where we're (laughs) spending a lot of money, uh, where can we reduce headcount, where can we cut costs. And I think sometimes consulting gets a bad rap for that kind of stigma. And the Waymo example for me is a good use case where, you know, it kind of goes against that stigma. And I say that because I was fortunate 
enough to be staffed on at, at Waymo um, in what's called a staff augmentation role, which is where I'm basically reporting directly to the client and which is Waymo in this case with no PwC oversight. There's no other PwC team members there that I'm working with. So I'm really basically a Waymo employee at this point. Um, so for me, that was a really good experience to get involved in the, the tech world outside of the East Coast. So Waymo's based in San Francisco. They are a Google company. Um, so it was a way for me to experience that, you know, lifestyle outside of, you know, actually leaving PwC. Um, so that project experience for me was a great way to explore um, being in a, a company that, you know, obviously high tech, they're part of Google where the Alphabet company has these, you know, special projects, some, you know, in the case are secretive, some not so much. Um, so Waymo has been around for over 10 years now. And the way that Google and Alphabet operate is once the company that they're kind of supporting from a financial perspective, as well as a business operations perspective, becomes big enough, whether it's in terms of people, revenue, um, growth in terms of where they're expanding as a company, uh, Google will spin these companies off to become a standalone entity. So in the case of Waymo, they had reached you know, the large enough scale where Google felt like it was time for them to separate from the larger business that was supporting them and become their own company. So um, we had a relationship with the Waymo, some of the Waymo folks there from a, from a PwC perspective, and they were looking for someone to come in and help them go through this process and help from a finance operations team. So that's where kind of my role came into play. And I helped them kind of you know, think about what, you know, what does it take from a invoicing perspective? What's it take from a customer support and IT support vendor operations perspective to take all this in-house? Because Google had primarily been supporting that for them. And so help them stand up all these processes, help them understand how are they going to interact with customers and vendors? How are they going to process, you know, monthly financial reporting internally and externally? And, you know, now that they were responsible for their own books every month and quarter, how are they going to go through those processes? So that is what I kind of focus on with them for about 12 months. Wow. There you go. Um, and then take us along to your other experiences because as entrepreneurs starting out startups, especially tech startups, a lot of the times our ambition is to do one of two things. You either get a large exit or you IPO, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's a, a traditional IPO or, or via SPAC. So you had the opportunity of working on basically preparing for an IPO spec. Uh, share that experience with us. Yeah, so, you know, kind of going through my, 
career progression in a sense of, you know, after Wema for me was right about when COVID hit. And so um, I obviously wasn't traveling to San Francisco anymore. It wasn't, you know, it didn't make sense for me at the time that things had slowed down there at the Waymo project. And, you know, I was looking to uh, do something different again at with, with MPWC and what, you know, what kind of would be my focus after Waymo. So um, we had a ongoing project at a media company based here in New York. And they, you know, similar to, you know, the, the Hulu's and Netflix of the world, they have their own kind of video hosting on demand platform where they basically buy the rights to different movies, TV shows, documentaries, and then they, you know, have those out on their platform for folks to view and, and stream. So um, this platform or this company per se, they really operated in the whole business of royalties and <laughs> that and for folks that know that world it's extremely complicated in sense of um royalty payments royalty income how expenses are recorded for you know dubbing subtitles all that fun stuff is it's a very different business than <laughs> waymo for example um but so the going into this world with this company was very new for me if folks, you know, can go back to when that time was happening, this is when the IPO and SPAC world was very hot. And so this company wanted to explore that option for themselves. And so, you know, they had gone through several different rounds of trying to go through financial due diligence, trying to go through the dog and pony show of getting their, their books in order to go through kind of this process. And so what was happening was they realized they weren't ready from really an internal perspective. They were making tons of money, generating revenue on a monthly basis that was way beyond their competitors, but their internal processes were just not set up for success and for, for scale. So these due diligence processes continue to fall through for them and we came in to help support them in a way to really just get things in order for them, right? They were doing processes very backwards than a typical company should be, especially that size. You know, for example, they would pay an invoice that they just knew that was going to have to be paid without ever getting the paper email from the vendors. So they were doing things that you know, we're not setting themselves up for success and doing that over time really prevented them from growing and scaling their business from a IPO or SPAC perspective. Um, and that really, you know, it, it just goes to show what companies experience early on startup stage of, hey, let's just get everything done. Let's, you know, push buttons and pay things and get things you know, off our plate so we can focus our time, but then they never took the time to put those proper, you know, whether it's policies or processes in place to become, you know, a legitimate functioning business. Wow. 
you would think um, at IPO stage they would have all that worked out. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And um, moving on from the from your actual consulting, um, you were offered a position at the Warden Business School to do your MBA and you turned it down to start what we're about to get into, your company Chit Chat. What was the key um, decision making factor that really said to you, no, I don't want to do an MBA, one of the biggest business schools in the world. I just want to start my own company. Yeah. So the, you know, for folks familiar with the consulting world, again, it's, it's really kind of structured in some way of, uh, okay, I'm going to go work five to six years in consulting. I'm going to, you know, put my time and work in to, you know, make it to manager or beyond. And then once I get to that point, I'm going to say, okay, do I go back to business school? Do I get an MBA? Do I get an MBA? Um, and kind of go that route to further enhance the consulting career, right? So as you mentioned, I went through the you know, application and interview process for Wharton and was lucky enough to get accepted. And at the time, this was right when COVID was happening. Things were very chaotic in, you know, the world of, you know, what's my job going to look like in six months? What is MBA school going to look like in terms of operating in a remote setting? Was that going to be worth my time and energy to do, you know, just virtual online classes for a year? And was that going to be of value to me? So, you know, once I kind of really thought about all these things for a two-week process, it was very much, you know, all I could think about for two weeks straight and what was I going to do? And I had to make a decision and I was dealing with trying to figure out where I was going to sign a lease at the time. So there's a lot of things going on at once for me. And what it really came down to for me was, you know, it really, if you think about it in two different lenses, one is, you know, there, there's things I cannot control at the time. And that was, you know, what was going to happen with COVID? What was the world going to look like? What was you know, the job market and or um, business school going to look like those all things I could not control or, you know, worry about because it was out of my hands. And so the things that I could worry about and make a decision off of was, what do I want my career to look like, you know, three to five years from now. So that you know, thinking about it in that lens, I could say, okay, what opportunities would lie for me after going through Wharton? And, you know, I really did all the research. I was looking at all the numbers of past cohorts and folks that had graduated and talking to them. And, you know, if you break it down specifically, it was, you know, folks would graduate, go into investment banking or consulting or high tech, you know, whether it's Google, Facebook, Amazon, and that kind of made up 75 to 80% of 
graduates and where their job placement was post-school. And so, you know, thinking about that, you know, for me, I knew I didn't want to do investment banking. I'm already in consulting. If I'm going to go spend $220,000 for two years of school, do I want to go back into consulting? Um, and then the tech world, right? You know, like we just talked about, I spent a year at Waymo. If if I wanted to work there or explore that option, you know, I kind of had relationships there that felt like could it get me in the door at least from a interview perspective. So if I went through all that decision-making process, it really landed me of like, okay, what do I really want to do with my life? And that's where I came down to deciding that for me, it was, you know, down the road, I knew I wanted to start my own company or work for a small team or organization that allowed me to do something bigger, be more responsible for outcomes of, you know, things we were working on or decisions we were making. And so that's where I um, sort of landed in, in the, in that decision-making process. Wow. Very interesting. And now we, we move on to your basically startup, which yep. is called Chit Chat. What is Chit Chat? Tell us more about Chit Chat and what inspired you yeah. to launch Chit Chat. Right. So that, you know, that follows along this kind of decision-making post Wharton process for me and you know so once I decided not to do it I said okay I'm going to spend some time researching startups looking at companies that I found interesting you know where my interests lied reaching out to founders reaching out to companies understand what jobs they were hiring for you know I was sending a lot of cold emails and through that whole process I really realized how much time and energy I was spending just to get in the door at these places or just to get a response of an email. And then if you think about it from a time perspective, you know, if I sent someone a cold email on a Monday, maybe they would respond on Wednesday. And then I would respond maybe that same day or next day saying, okay, here are the times I'm available. And so if you keep going down that path, you know, you may not get a, a meeting on the books until a week or two later to just have kind of, whether it be an intro call or a get to know you or a let's talk about an open position. So I say all that to say, whether it's a cold email or even someone in your network, those things just take time and energy for, for both sides of the equation. And so I felt like this was very much a pain point for myself and others that I'm sure have gone through a similar experience. And so this is where I came up with the idea for Chit Chat. And so for us at Chit Chat, what we're trying to do is be the platform for meaningful connections and conversations. So we want to cut out what is referred to as the DM or the cold email and be that kind of platform to allow people to interact directly where we offer a scheduling tool that says, okay, I'm available at these times on these days. You can just book a chit chat with me to talk about 
your specific objectives and what you want from the meeting. So our idea is to basically provide a way to exchange information. You're building a personal brand. You can host meetings for free or for monetary rewards and just be a place that just saves time on both sides of the equation. Very nice. And what would you say um, your biggest advantage over others is? Yeah, it's a great question. So we're really trying to focus on niche markets and user bases to understand where our value proposition lies for these different areas. So we've really just launched our beta product in the sense of, you know, it's fully functioning, but we're still going through upgrades. We're doing things to streamline the user experience and along the way, focusing on very narrow markets to get that feedback. So for us, for example, to answer your question, one area that we are spending a lot of time in and gaining a lot of value from and what I won't call the creator economy, but the anonymous economy. So if you think about folks that are big into the crypto or fintech space on Twitter, you'll see a ton of people with large audiences that are completely anonymous. So, you know, whether they have 10,000 people or 100,000 people, they're getting, their followers are extracting a lot of value and knowledge from them. So, you know, our advantage is working with those anonymous folks to be a platform where it doesn't require you, you know, personal information to sign up or having a robust, you know, KYC process to weed out um, folks that want to remain anonymous. So we're trying to focus on that, you know, area and operate to allow those types of people to interact on our platform. Very nice. Um, what industries do you see yourself, do you see yourselves disrupting or really adding value to yeah, so kind of like I just mentioned, right? The anonymous economy is really big. Another one that we've been tapping into are, you know, college students and young professionals looking for whether it's their first opportunity or they worked for a couple of years and want to explore a new job that may be outside of their industry experience. So, for example, right? Um, you know, if I'm someone working in the consulting space for two to three years, but maybe I want to transition into the sports arena or work in the sports industry that I've never worked in before, right? So my options at that point are really to just go through my network and see, okay, who may, who may work in the sports entertainment world who do I know that may know someone that could give me an introduction or I can just go through and like apply to random job postings that I may or may not get responses for. So we're trying to bridge that gap for people to say, okay, if I'm a sports 
entertainment um, employee that I want to have, you know, host office hours or meetings for people that are interested in, in this industry. Um, they can go out and set up a calendar to say, okay, here's when you can talk to me about either a job position or how I got into the industry or how I made my way through my career to where I'm at. And that way you're saving time for yourself to say, okay, I don't have to answer emails that people are going to cold reach out about a job. So I'm putting my time available based off my schedule. And then secondly, the person that wants to connect with them, you know, they just go to their calendar. They just set up the time. They send their very specific objectives so that they're not applying to a job, writing a whole essay about why they're excited about working for their company or writing it, crafting a cold email that may never get responded to. Fair enough. And as you're going through these different industries uh, and working with them, what are some of the trends and patterns that you're, that you're seeing in terms of the way people are communicating? Yeah, that's a good question. So folks definitely like the, the short and sweet meeting types, right? And I think everyone for example, it's easy to just say, oh, let's just meet at this time in this day with no clear um, agenda or topics in mind to, to discuss. So I think doing a little bit of that prep work in advance is kind of what our platform promotes. I think that helps a lot of the conversation and, and people feeling like it's valuable on both sides. I think also um, some people are more driven by hosting meetings for money versus others where, you know, they just like to, you know, quote unquote, donate their time. So hosting meetings for free. Um, and then there's other features that we're working on rolling out where um, instead of getting paid for your time, specifically, you know, dollars, you can donate that money toward a charity. So it gives you that sense of, okay, I'm dedicating my time. I'm providing my knowledge. I don't necessarily need money, but I'm doing this for a good cause. And instead of me donating my dollars directly, it's kind of going through the, the charity process. Very nice. And since starting this journey uh, and, you know, You've also got a lot of experience in the world of consulting and you are working with uh, organizations that are considered the startups or tech companies. What would you say the biggest pieces, uh, are the best pieces of advice or tips that you could share with founders? Yeah, I think that you know, finding a community is definitely a big one, which, which I wish I would have done sooner. You know, we both did the on-deck program here in New York City, which was fantastic for just having a program or a community of folks that are going through similar processes. So, you know, whether it's early stage company or are trying to go through the fundraising process, it's always better to try to do that with other people and that are going through similar steps because it's just easier to have those conversations. Um, I think also other learnings is that 
and this very much holds true with consulting too, is that, you know, things don't have to be perfect to solicit feedback or put out there to get suggestions and enhancements for. So I think it's always, I think we always tend to say, oh, it has to be very, some things have to be very buttoned up and polished to get, you know, first waves or second waves of feedback versus just saying, hey, I'm just going to put this out there. Let's work on this together and give me feedback, whether it sucks or not, like we will continue to improve it over time. So that's definitely another big one. Very, very nice. Um, could you share with us a piece of advice that you've received in your lifetime that's made a significant difference to you personally or your professional life? or a moment that you've experienced in, in your lifetime that's really impacted you? Yeah, I think just, you know, kind of a, on, the, on the broader sense, right, is if you think about, cur- you, you know, your, your career and life after college and embarking on a journey that, <laughs> um, that you're going to get fulfillment from, you know, whether you're working 30 to 40 years uh, of your life. And it's really about just doing something that you feel like you have, um, you know, equity is the professional term, but feel like you have a say in in what things are going to happen and helping drive toward, you know, decisions and, and growing something that you're ultimately responsible for. And that that doesn't mean that you have to go be a CEO or have to like be the startup founder, but just working on that small team or embodying a small group of people that you feel like you can go out and make a difference in something. And so I say that to say that, you know, the way that the corporate and college machine works is that, you know, colleges want you to go graduate from them, get a high paying job so that you can make money, ultimately donate back to your school and just, you know, live that, you know, corporate life, which is all great for some people. Um, But I think taking some risk along the way is a very healthy and fulfilling thing to do. And whether you fail at it your first time or succeed, it's not the end of the world. And there's always going to be more opportunities out there for people that are willing to take a little bit of risk or take something on that isn't just the, the normal standard kind of career trajectory. Absolutely. There's always a path if you seek it. Um, That's right. Derek, uh, thank you very much. Uh, You've been amazing. You've shared a ton of insight with us. Before we let you go, where can people find you online? Yeah, so obviously on LinkedIn, um, but even more specifically, you can find me on ChitChat, which is chitchatme.co slash chat with slash Derek. So anyone looking to schedule time with me to chat more about what we just talked about today or learning about startup life in more details or 
the world of consulting, I will be there for folks to interact with. Awesome. And how do people access ChitChat? Yeah, so the URL I just provided um, is like my public facing address, which people can go find. Or if you just go to chitchatme.co slash um, chat with, you can see all of the folks that are currently signed up to meet with. And if they're interested in um, becoming a user, they can just go to chitchatme.co and we have a sign up process that people can go through and we can onboard them. Fantastic. I'll get those links off you and put them in our show notes so they're easily accessible. Um, Derek, thank you very much once again for joining me on the Business Wilderness. I really appreciate the time and thanks so much for having me.